Hey, everybody. Come on in. Come on in here. Gather around. It's time for Coffee with Scott Adams. Best part of your day. Once again, every single time. I hear there's some kind of event that's going to happen in the United States today, something called a Super Bowl. I don't know who's playing, but I hear it's a thing, so you should watch that later, I guess. How would you like to enjoy this live stream more than you even thought was possible? I think you would like that. And all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice, or stein, a canteen, jug, or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine of the day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip, and you're going to do it right now. Go. Ah, how did that sound on your 1.5 times playback speed? Pretty fast, huh? Yes, that's how quickly my mind is operating this morning. It's just like so fast you can't even believe it. Let's talk about all the news. Oh, sorry. I thought about the news and I fell asleep. Have you noticed what's wrong with the news? I'll bet you have. If you were to look at the news, there's something missing. The interesting part. You know, the part about Trump. Because without the interesting part, it's just news. Come on. Do we even care? Well, maybe things will get more interesting. Uh, For example, Candace Owens has teased on Twitter that uh, she might be thinking about running for president. Might be thinking about running for president. Now, I don't know what you think about Candace Owens being the president, But let me tell you what I think about her running for president. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That would bring the fun. Are you kidding me? Uh, As as interesting as Trump is, and I don't think anybody will ever be more interesting than he is, but uh, Candace Owens could bring us some interesting news. Imagine, if you will, the Democrats arguing against her. Oh, she's a race. Well, she can't be a racist. Oh, the sexist. Well, she's a woman. And she might have that one thing that President Obama had that I always say is his best quality. Uh, well, I don't want to say it's his best quality, but let's just say it's something that he did brilliantly, which is he ran for president without saying, I'm running for president and I'm black. Now, he mentioned it. I mean, it came up. (laughs) But he didn't run for president as our first black president. He just happened to be black, which is exactly the way to do it, if you want some support from the other side. Candace Owens would have the same sensibility, I would imagine, that she would be running for president as somebody who could be president, not as a woman, not as a black woman, but just somebody who wants to be president. And that would take away about three-quarters of all the things that Democrats say about Republicans. What the hell would they have left? For that reason alone, I want to see her run for president. Now, does she have the skills and the capabilities? Probably. Probably, yes, I would say. I believe she's smart enough. She's connected enough. I don't agree with everything she's ever said, but that would be true of everybody. 
Uh, I'd love to see her in the race just because I think it would make it so interesting. Um, France has apparently been caught uh, not achieving the goals of the Paris Climate Accords. (laughs) That's right. France, the country, the great organizer of the Paris Climate Accords, failed to meet their uh, goal. So that's a pretty useful climate accord right there, whereas the United States, who pulled out of it, exceeded their goal by a lot. It's almost as if the Paris Climate Accords are not important. Almost. I mean, you could almost start to think that way. Because it turns out it's not important, but pretending it is at least allows our politicians to say they've done something. What have you done? Well, I got back in that Paris Climate Accord thing, so you can't say I didn't do anything because I did that, even though that's basically nothing. Um, Are you waiting for reports about all the chaos in the Biden administration? You know, in a transition time, when you've got some gigantic government entity, let's call it the Trump administration, and it's transforming into an entirely different big, you know, loping bureaucracy called, let's call it the Biden administration. Somewhere between the Trump administration limping bureaucracy and the Biden administration limping bureaucracy, somewhere in the middle, there should be a phase which, if I were describing it, I'd probably call it chaos. Chaos. Now, that doesn't mean that they're doing anything wrong. It's just that when you transfer from one big situation to any other big situation, there should be a little friction, just normally. Wouldn't matter if it's in the private sector. Wouldn't matter if it's in the public sector. Wouldn't matter who it is. Wouldn't matter who was involved, who was running it. Under every scenario you can imagine in the real world, should be some chaos. A little bit of chaos. Uh, Let's listen for the reporting on all the chaos. Um, Nothing yet. Seems to me that we would have some whistleblowers, some anonymous sources inside the Biden administration saying, you know, it's not going as smoothly as it could. Because you know that's true, right? You know that it's not a perfect handoff. At the very least, we should be complaining about the Trump administration not doing a good job of handing off. We haven't even heard that. Can we say at this point that the Trump administration did a really good job of handing off power? We haven't heard a thing, right? Didn't you hear lots of stories when Obama came in about how the the handoff was sloppy? Nothing about that. So either the Trump administration did a great job in the handoff, as well as the Biden administration doing a great job picking up the the pieces. But you realize what's going on, right? What happened was a complete absence of news. Because the old news was fake news. And the moment they they, they decide... as far as the Biden administration is, they're not going to run fake news. They don't have any news. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you don't run fake news, there's no news. Because there isn't that much that happens every day. You have to generate a certain amount of fake news to fill up the, you know, the minutes. So watching this play out in real time to see that the news business was never legitimate, you know, and this just sort of proves that it was never legitimate, uh, it's kind of fascinating. All right. Um, I tweeted yesterday that there's a technology that is underappreciated. You keep hearing about uh, big companies and even parts of the government getting hacked. Uh, Even the Iranian uh, nuclear program got hacked. You know, somebody had planted a bug. Stuxnet, this was some time ago. So we see all these examples where even the most sophisticated technology companies get hacked fairly regularly. But the exception is our election system. Now, our election system also has hardware and software and connected systems and stuff. But unlike every other system in the world that gets hacked, what we've learned from our news is that the election software and hardware not only was not hacked, that's what we've been told, but it couldn't be. It couldn't be. Because if it were possible, then people would be talking about that. They'd say, well, we don't know if it was hacked, we don't know if it was or wasn't, but it's possible. That would be a story. But since that story doesn't exist, and that would be the obvious story, that at least it's possible, the news has basically told us, in its own way, that it's not possible. So we should take that same technology that we're using for the election systems that make them unhackable, including, and this is the hard part, they've somehow figured out how to make all the people involved in those systems unbribable. <laughs> didn't even, I didn't even think it was a thing. I didn't know you could make a system which, in which the people were unbribable. But apparently with the election system, we've done that, according to the news. So we should take whatever we've learned from the election systems that makes them unhackable and just move that, that learning and technology over to the rest of our computer systems. And then you wouldn't need any, any computer security anymore because that would pretty much end all hacking. Right? Wait, wait a minute. Somebody's saying, uh, somebody's saying in the comments that the election system is not unhackable. That's like, that's like saying it's hackable. Are, are you saying... I don't even understand the point. Are you saying that our election systems could be hacked? I, that's fake news. That is fake news, my friend. Because our news, which we trust, has told us that that's not even a possibility. Do you know why? Because of audits. We've done audits. We've done hand counts, compared it to the machine count, and wherever they did the audit, it was pretty close, at least close enough. So therefore, it's unhackable. Why don't we take that same concept to all of our other systems? We'll just find something that we can audit and find out if there's anything that's been hacked. Because that works, right? A few audits, a handful of audits for all those systems around the country. A few audits, I don't to get it done. So that's all I'm saying, is I don't want to be kicked off of social media, so I certainly wouldn't say 
that we have uh, had any problem with our election system, I'm aware of no proof of any kind of fraud. There is no proof in any court that our, that our system had widespread fraud. Nor is there any evidence that there could be any kind of hacking. It's impossible. All right. Um, there's an investigator for the World Health Organization, who, who, uh, who, who says, the guy from who, who says, that the Wuhan lab is not necessarily the source of the coronavirus. So according to World Health Organization investigators, we should be open-minded, and there is no evidence, no evidence, I say, that the Wuhan lab was the source of the coronavirus. According to uh, Mike Pompeo, when he was in office, he said that we do have evidence that the Wuhan lab was the source. So who's telling us the truth? Mike Pompeo or the World Health Organization? Who do we trust these days? Because you realize that one of them is lying to you, right? (laughs) Either the government of the United States told you a lie that would be a really big lie. It would be, it would be similar in, in extent to saying that um, Saddam, Hussein, Saddam had weapons of mass destruction when he, when he didn't, at least the ones we were thought we were looking for. That would be a gigantic violation of trust. Or if Mike Pompeo is right and there is evidence that it came from that lab, presumably the World Health Organization would have access to that same information. And they would be, in this case, the liars, if Mike Pompeo is correct. So one of those two entities, either the recent government of the United States or the World Health Organization, is lying is lying to you. That's a big problem, isn't it? (laughs) That's like a really big problem. Now, I know that your bias is to say that it's the World Health Organization. I can see it in the comments. Because you believe that they are influenced by China and that China would like us not to believe it's the Wuhan lab that is responsible. So that that's all that's happening, is that the World Health Organization is lying. But that's a big, big problem. Really, really big problem. By the way, what does Joe Biden say about the Wuhan lab, whether that was a source? Because Joe Biden would have exactly the same information that Mike Pompeo had, right? They would be briefed on exactly the same stuff. So has Biden even been asked that question? Does anybody remember if Biden has been asked... What is the position of his administration on whether the Wuhan lab was involved? Well, wouldn't it be nice if we had a press that would ask our president questions? We don't have that. <laughs> We've got a press that asks the circle back woman, uh, what's up? And she says, I'll circle back. So... Good luck with your, uh, your government transparency there. So the Biden administration continues to skate by without having to answer any real questions. Um, 
of course, the Biden administration, one of its main selling points and the reason that Biden got elected, in my opinion, is that they committed to follow science, whereas they believe that the Trump administration was not following the science. So here we are with the Biden administration with their science-following ways, with their own CDC saying that uh, essentially that the science supports opening the schools. Now, they don't say that directly. What they say is that with proper uh, mitigation, the schools would be a very low source of infection. Now, is that the same as saying it would be safe enough to open up schools if you could do the mitigation? Not everybody can do it right away. I say yes. I would say that would be science, as described by the CDC, saying that the risk of reopening schools is very, very low in terms of extra infections. There would be extra infections, but it would be low, and that they know how to mitigate. So the, but the teachers' unions, the various teachers' unions around the country, are strongly against reopening under any condition, given the risk, and they seem to be winning so far. So could you say that the Biden administration is following science in this case? I would say no. I would say that the science would strongly suggest, I mean, science doesn't have an opinion, but it strongly suggests that it would be safe to open up schools, or safe enough, given, you know, you always have to take a little risk for everything. Um, I, I forgot the air quotes around science. Somebody said, yes, follow the science. Uh, just like the Paris Accord, they're following the science. Um, so what will Biden do? Well, wouldn't it be good? I'm just going to put this out there. Wouldn't it be great if Biden, our president, would answer questions from, say, reporters? I'm just going to throw that out there as a possible process to follow. Wouldn't it be great if, Pre- if President Biden could answer the question, are you being compatible with science by following what the teachers' unions tell you to do? Now, of course, you could say it's, this, it's a state thing, it's not a federal government thing, but at some point, the federal government needs to take this as a homeland security issue. If we continue to keep our schools closed, we will be degrading the country to the point where it affects our, our actual security. Certainly, it will affect the economy, etc. And the mental health, physical health of our kids, etc. So, where's our leadership? Is Joe Biden siding with the teachers' unions? If so, say it in public. We'd like to see you answer that question in public. You're our president, right? If... If Joe Biden says, no, we have to figure out how to override or convince those, the teachers' unions to change their mind, well, where is, he? Where, where is he? Where is he doing that? What is it that's more important to you as a citizen of this country than reopening schools? Because if you've got kids, you want the schools to be reopened, trust me. You know, mostly you do. And... If you want the economy to work well, you want the schools to be reopened. You really do. So Biden is completely missing on the number one issue in the country. 
Now, you could argue that, you know, uh, protecting us from nuclear war and stuff is the biggest issue. But I would say that those things are largely stable at the moment, right? No immediate threats from overseas. Our biggest question in the country is getting the kids back to school. And our leader is fucking missing. He's not on a side. I mean, I'm sure he's got an opinion that's out there. But Joe Biden is just fucking missing. Is that okay with you? I would be okay with him being on the other side of this than, than my preference. If he were doing it in public. If he could take a question, if he would look the public in the eye and say, this is my fucking decision, I would deal with that because maybe he's got a good argument. I'd like to hear it. All right? But he's missing in fucking action with the biggest question in the fucking country. He is not even doing the fucking job. Let Kamala Harris do the job, you fucking idiot. Get out of the way, you doddering fool. Or do your job, which would be fine. Because I, I do think he's up to it. You know, I've, I've certainly been critical of Biden's capability. But he's certainly capable of saying we should... Oh, God damn it. All right, we just lost the feed from Periscope due to my technical incompetence. But YouTube, you're still here with me, so thank you. Maybe I should tweet that they, uh, no, they'll figure it out. So uh, Periscope is down, but you can watch the rest of this on YouTube. So Joe Biden, um, you are not doing the job. right? I could, I could easily be okay with Joe Biden disagreeing with my political opinion but doing the work. He's not doing the fucking job. you got to show up to fucking work, right? We're paying you, asshole. Show up to work. Answer a fucking question. All right. Or, or just get out of there and put Kamala in, and maybe she'll answer a question. At this point, Joe Biden either has to do the fucking job or get off the stage. Because he's not doing either one, and he needs to do one of those fucking things. Do the job or get off the fucking stage. And we'll just deal with Kamala. Um, So there's that. Apparently the uh, negotiations over how to handle the second Trump impeachment trial has a lot to do with how long it will take. So some of the negotiations involve, um, will it be two weeks or three weeks, etc.? And the reason that that matters is that Congress has admitted that they won't be able to do some of the other things they need to do while the trial is on. So they want to uh, they want to confirm Biden's cabinet, but they won't be able to do that while they're doing this trial. Um, they've got a bunch of nominees. Uh, they'd like to uh, get the stimulus plan passed, 1.9 trillion, but they won't be able to do that because they're. Uh, they're, they're fucking around with this uh, fake impeachment trial. Now, just, just hold this in your minds for a second. Congress has admitted that they won't be able to do their work, vital work. The, what is more important than the stimulus package, right? What is more important than figuring out how to get kids back to school? They're not going to do that. Instead, they're going to do the one thing that every person in the world knows has no value, which is to uh, impeach 
try to impeach the president and fail. Everyone knows, everyone knows, that nothing will come of that. And yet they're admitting that they're not going to do the work for which they were hired, get us a stimulus bill, confirm your cabinet. They're actually telling us straight up they're not going to do that work. You fucking assholes. You fucking, fucking assholes. Let me give you two choices. Either make an argument for why this impeachment makes fucking sense, which you haven't, haven't even tried, haven't even fucking tried to make an argument about why this is good for the country. We get why it's good for Democrats, you assholes. We get that. Tell us why it's good for the rest of us. Why is it good for me that you're not going to do the fucking work of the country? Why does that help me? Right? And, and who is asking the questions? Is the press putting Biden's feet to the fire and putting Congress's feet to the fire and saying, hey, we've got a country to run, and instead you've chosen the only thing that every fucking person in the country knows is useless? Every fucking person knows it's useless. You're going to do it anyway, right in front of us. Right in front of our eyes, you're going to not do the work of the country that we all think is important, and you're going to do something that every fucking person knows is a waste of fucking time. And you're going to do that right in front of our eyes, and we're going to act like we're okay with it. Let me tell you one thing that I appreciated about the uh, capital assault. I disavow the capital assault, and those involved have to deal with the legal consequences. That said, I do appreciate living in a country where, the, where our government feels the people. I don't think they feel the people right now. I feel like the people are being ignored, grossly ignored, right in front of us. Not even, the, not even a little bit of respect for the fucking public. Not an ounce of respect for the fucking public. Nothing. If they had any respect for us whatsoever, they would do their job instead of this. All right. Um, on, the pl- on the positive side, <laughs> uh, as you knew would happen, the reporting about COVID has turned friendly. What, was, there, was there any... Uh, any chance that wasn't going to happen? So instead of endless stories about how the, uh, the Biden administration is blowing the rollout of the vaccinations, uh, and I, by the way, I don't know if that's true. I just know there aren't enough vaccinations to go around. But if this were the Trump administration, it would be endless stories about how the, uh, the rollout was not going well. But instead, the stories are that the rollout is going better than he promised, which actually is true. So apparently we're doing better than a million, um, a million inoculations per day. Um, and that was Biden's promise, was a million a day for, I don't know, 100 days or something. And we're at 1.2 million. So credit where credit is due. Biden, uh, in, this, in this regard, Biden under-promised, and he's over-delivering. Have you, ever, have you ever heard me say that about Trump? Yeah, I, I've said that a number of times about Trump that he under-promised and over-delivered uh, in terms of jobs and stuff. And I think this is a case where Biden's doing it too. He under-promised and he's over-delivering, his administration is. It's worth noting. Um, if we're being fair, 
Now, we're nowhere near as fast as we need to be, but it is better than they promised. And apparently, while the number of infections is dropping to a seven-day rolling average is lower, and the number of hospitalizations is dropping, deaths are still high, but we're pretty sure that will follow hospitalizations and come down. And we're looking at pretty big numbers, drops. A 30% drop in the rolling average of infections. A 30% drop. <laughs> that's like, that's a big deal. And how about uh, hospitalizations? They're down 20% over the past few weeks. 20% is a big drop. It's a big drop. Now, do you think that these drops are based on um, the vaccinations? Because I don't know that there are enough vaccinations to see a 20% drop in hospitalizations. That doesn't feel... Does it, I don't know that we know yet, right? So I, I can't say this with any authority, but it feels like the drop is unrelated. Or maybe the drop is a little bit because of the vaccinations, but maybe not mostly. Now, I could be wrong, because I'm just sort of eyeballing it and saying, oh, how long has it been and how many vaccinations? But in my mind, anyway, I can't see that we've vaccinated enough already to get a 20% decline in hospitalizations. But maybe, you know, maybe that is true. Um, but uh, I can only speak for where I am, but it's unseasonably warm in California. So if California is part of those numbers and we're unseasonably warm... I mean, yesterday was shorts weather in February. I think it was almost 70 degrees here in February. Uh, and that's northern California. So I think maybe weather might have something to do with it, maybe. But we'll see. It's good news, anyway. And uh, now that Biden's president, I guess we'll only hear good news about stuff, So even if it's not good news. Uh, over in Tehran... Tehran, a word I can never pronounce correctly. So Iran's supreme leader has said, predictably, that they would be happy to go back to the old nuclear deal uh, as long as Biden first drops the, uh, drops the uh, what do you call it, the uh, sanctions. Do you think that Biden will lift all the sanctions in an effort to get Iran to come back to the table, not to the table, but to agree to their... They're part of what they're doing. And I would say it's going to be tough, isn't it? What in the world will Biden do? How is he going to play this? Because if he just gives Iran what they want, he's going to look weak. If he doesn't give them what they want, then he's just doing Trump's, you know, Trump's own policy. So what's he going to do? <laughs> I don't know. I feel as though uh, if, if Biden um, did decide to say, hey, we'll lift the sanctions and we'll give Iran a month to you know, do what it needs to do to get back in compliance, you know, then we can always put the sanctions back on if we need to. He might do that, but it would look pretty weak, and I think it would embolden Iran. So I think uh, this is the thing that I'm most interested in about the Biden administration, the things that he criticized Trump about, is he really going to be able to fix those things? Because Trump sort of found the only thing you could do, and then he did it. So if there was only sort of one thing you could do, and we were already doing it, let's say sanctions on Iran, what the hell is he going to do? 
what is Biden going to do? So I'm so curious about that. Now, he's got a similar problem, Biden does, with the border. Because there are uh, caravans coming, and it looks like it's going to be inevitable that our border facilities will be overwhelmed. What will happen when our border facilities are overwhelmed under the Biden administration? Will they put kids in cages temporarily? Because that's what the Biden or the Trump administration did, much to its uh, discredit, because they didn't have a choice. Nobody put a kid in a cage because it was the worst choice. Nobody said, well, look at all the things we could have done. Uh, uh, I guess the best choice is to put them in a cage. Well, it was the best choice, given the alternatives, which are to release them to known child traffickers. So will Biden do the thing that's not the best thing you can do under the circumstances? Will he choose the worst thing you can do, which is release them to the traffickers? What's he going to do? Now, if he solves these problems, Iran, and uh, he also, if Biden solves immigration, I'm going to give him credit. You know, I don't want him not to be able to solve these problems. I just don't know how he could. So, curiosity, and I will give, let's say, even though we're all biased about, you know, our political side, and I, I'm no different, I've got the same amount of bias as anybody else. But I still like America, right? I would like America to do well. So I would like Biden to have the best solution for Iran, the best solution for the border. And if he does, I'll give him credit. But I don't know what his options are. Um, Nancy Pelosi continues to give politics a bad name, (laughs) which is funny in itself. Uh, If you can give politics a bad name... You're, you're, really, you're really bad. And so uh, while I typically don't like to do the hypocrisy stories because they're too easy and everybody does them, uh, sometimes they're worth calling out. So first of all, Nancy Pelosi got called out for uh, not wearing a mask when she got her hair done, you know, and being indoors when she got her hair done or whatever it was. So she got in trouble for getting her hair done when other people couldn't, I guess, indoors. Uh, But now she's getting in trouble for, apparently she went through a side door that the leadership can use to get into the, you know, the main congressional area there. And so she didn't go through the metal detectors, which people are being fined for not going through them. I guess Louis Gomer and, uh, uh, who is it, Uh, Lauren Bobbitt, what's her name, Bobert? Uh, Anyway, so a few... uh, Congressional people didn't go through the metal detectors and will be fined $5,000 a piece for refusing to going through metal detectors. Now, in the case of Gomer, he had been through the metal detector, had left to go to the restroom, came back from the restroom and didn't want to go through the metal detector again. <laughs> now, was he going to go get a gun from the restroom, like, the, like a mafia movie or something? Uh, he tweeted about the same thing. He made that joke. Was that really something that Gomer should be uh, penalized for? He went through the metal detector once. He just used the bathroom. He's a sitting member of Congress. <laughs> Did we really need to check him again? So the fact that Nancy Pelosi also uh, avoided the metal detectors by coming through a special 
door that they have for leadership. I think she has to be fined. I think she has to pay the same fine. I don't see any way around it. You either have to treat them the same or not, and it's pretty easy to treat them the same. It's not like she can't pay it, right? She's pretty rich. But she's got to pay it. All right, so there's, there's where we are with our uh, terrible government. The Biden administration is going to just apparently not work on the things that are the most important to the country, getting kids back to school, for example. Uh, somebody says, I bet she doesn't pay the fine. Yeah, we'll see. How is Nancy rich? Well, her husband is rich. But, uh, yeah, you might have some questions about that. Um, Yes, I understand not everybody is treated the same in Congress. His winery... Yeah, I hear about the Plump Jack winery staying open. I don't know if that's true or not. That, That sounds like fake news. It sounds like something that I wouldn't trust. Um, so I think the uh, Gavin Newsom uh, recall peti- petition is getting close to the, uh, the number. They have to go beyond the number for the recall because some of the names will be challenged. Uh, but it looks like he's going to get recalled at this point, or at least that there'll be a, a recall vote of some kind. You know what I don't mind? Of all the things that Gavin Newsom has been accused of, the one that I don't care about at all is that he ate at the French Laundry. Because here's, here's the thing. If, if a restaurant is legally open, you can eat at it. <laughs> That's it. If Gavin Newsom was the only person served at the French Laundry and they opened up just for him and his friends or something, well, I'd say that's pretty bad. But if the restaurant was legally open... He can eat there. He can eat there. Even if he's telling you that you should usually stay home, if it's open, he can eat there. That's the end of it. So um, I'm happy to pile on Governor Newsom for everything else he's done that you don't like, but I'm not going to pile on him for uh, going to a business that's legally open. That's just not where I'm going to spend any of my, uh, any of my outrage it's an appearance thing. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's an appearance thing. But you know how it appeared to me? The way it appeared to me is that he went to a business that was open. That's it. And going to businesses that are open is really good for those businesses. Um, so I ate, I ate dinner twice this week. Uh, so California is newly, at least where I am, is newly reopened for business, for the restaurants. So the restaurants were closed down completely for several weeks, and now they can uh, do business outside. Here's the good news. The, the weather was nice, as I said yesterday. I, I went down to my main street, my small town here in Pleasanton, California, and it was hopping. The, the main street in my town, actually, I've never seen more people there unless there was like a, an actual event. But just for a, for a Saturday night just for a night that people go out to eat, there were more people downtown out and about and eating than I've seen maybe ever. It was, it was actually really um, 
inspiring. It made me feel good. Now, the dining is still outside, so we ate in little tents, and they've got their heaters there and stuff. Now, it's California, so we can still do this even in February. But i got to say, here was the strangest thing about it. These little outdoor tent situations, you know, they often have an open side, so they're not enclosed. But um, it was pretty good. I actually enjoyed eating on the sidewalk in the little tent more than I would have probably enjoyed eating indoors. Because when you're indoors, you're packed together and you've got the acoustic problem. And, you know, I kind of enjoyed it. It was maybe even an upgrade, eating outdoors. So both meals were uh, excellent, and it was good, good to feel normal again, even with the masks and stuff. Um, so I, I'm feeling like progress. You know, the, A few of those restaurants looks like they were doing good business, so maybe they'll be back. Uh, Super, Super Bowl parties. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I don't know any way that Super Bowl parties will be avoided. It's guaranteed that people are going to have them. Now, let me ask you this. Have any of you attended any kind of a unmasked or even masked event with lots of people? How many In the comments, how many of you have attended at least one event, it could be in your own home, in which you had a number of people from uh, various places. So I'm just going to look through the comments. It looks maybe evenly split between people who have and people who have not. <laughs> yeah, I'm amazed. A lot of you have spent time in crowds during a pandemic. You voluntarily spend time in crowds. Okay, I'm gonna I'm going to say that I haven't done that. Now, I don't think any of us are doing perfect social distancing. But I, I, where I draw the line is uh, a crowd. <laughs> I, I'm just not going to go where a bunch of people are packed into a space for any reason. There's no reason I will put myself in that situation, indoors especially. If it's outdoors, if it's outdoors, I'm going to judge differently. But indoors, there's no freaking way I'm going to be in a crowd indoors, masked or unmasked. It's just not going to happen. Um, Now, I did happen to observe a group of people who got together to sing happy birthday recently, and I did notice that social distancing was completely ignored. (laughs) Uh, But there's nothing wrong with the group of people I was observing. Rather, I think that's just human human nature, that people will spontaneously come together without realizing what they've done until it's too late. So I don't think there's any way you can keep Americans from gathering for the Super Bowl. Uh, But my advice would be, if you can avoid it, you probably should. I'm definitely not going to get together with a crowd myself. Uh, Your neighbor had a party of 50 last night. Yeah, I was watching a Loud party, not near my house, but uh, yesterday. So I feel as though people have given up on the social distancing, or at least a lot of them have. So we'll we'll see what that brings us. All right, that's all for now, and I will talk to you tomorrow.